Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone. Welcome to No Picks After Dark. It's your boy Nick Burke, and you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world with Aaron Dante, giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people, sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world. Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners. Now, your host, Aaron Dante. Yo, Aaron, talk to him. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I am so excited that you're here with me today. We are going to end Black History Month with a bang. With a bang, folks. I tell people Black History is 365 days in American history. And I'm so excited that you guys are able to share with me and listen to all these amazing people that are doing great things in community. It's all about community, folks. And I'm so excited for the 100th episode that appeared during this month. Thank you to everybody who has supported the No Picks of the Dark podcast from episode one to 100. And everybody who came along on the train ride with us, really, really appreciate you guys. On today's episode, we have comedian Ivan Martin. We also have Natasha Axelrod, lawyer, legal contributor. We also have Trevor White from VBS Tax and Accounting. We have Amber Wetland coming on the show. She had this really, really special for Baltimore, for Baltimore restaurants, and I really can't. I'm so excited to for you guys to hear that story. And then last but not least, the main person we're here to listen to is the president and CEO of Visit Baltimore, Mr. Al Hutchison. I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. He talks about Visit Baltimore and his passion for the city of Baltimore. So folks, buckle your seatbelt, enjoy the ride. This is a great episode. And also I got a surprise for you. Not one, but not two, but three episodes this week. All right, folks. Mr. Ivan Martin, the Ivan Minton. What's going on, brother? What is going on, Aaron? Dante, what's going on? No picks after dark, man. Lovely, happy to see you all for once. You know what I'm saying? This is a beautiful addition, man. Great job on that, Dante, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, sir. So check this out, man. I know usually, you know what I'm saying, I like to switch it up with some jokes, sometimes some Black history facts. But this time, shout out to our beautiful city and visit Baltimore. I want to do some... Um, some city facts for you, or should I say some city updates? All right, now some of y'all gonna like these city updates, and some of y'all, this is for your international listeners, some of y'all won't be able to get it, but at least you'll know, you'll, you'll be on the inside track of what's going on in the city, all right? And this episode drops this week, right, Dante? Yes, sir, yes, sir, it'll be out Monday morning. All right, so check this out. If you didn't get your trash picked up on Friday, city update, it's coming, it's coming on Tuesday now. I just got the message, okay? So watch out for that. All right, another thing, all right? If you have been feeling a little bit safer driving throughout downtown, it ain't because they are revitalizing Lexington Market. It's just that, you know, the city's looking good and crime is down, man. Like actual facts. Another beautiful thing that is like on the uptick in the city right now, politeness. Have you realized that? Have you realized people are just a little bit more polite these days? And the reason why is because well, I guess I should say a little bit more polite. Hey, ladies, I'm I'm a comedian. I'm not an English major. But anyway, if you've been realizing people have been a little bit more nicer these days, it has more than 100% to do with lack of communication. If you ain't have, you ain't seen nobody all day and somebody walk in your store and be like, hey, man, can I please you be like, sir, I'm willing to help you with whatever you want. Do you have homework you need help with? I had, I walked into the grocery store the other day and a lady asked me, do you need somebody to make crab cakes for you? Because I do that other than bad groceries. I was like, you are ready to be a sisful. 
and she saw what I was purchasing. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm really liking it. And also, big shout out to CIAA. I know the city was looking looking very forward to enjoying that in person, but now you're going to have to watch that at home. So I suggest everybody get yourself one of them little basketball hoops that you would do amazing dunks on as a child and put that on the back of your door. And then what you can do is get a projector and shine that on the wall next to the door. So as they are dunking, you are dunking too. You know, just, just work it out, man. This virtual thing, we got to start to enjoy it a little bit more. Also, another thing in the city that has changed. I remember a long time ago, not too long ago, maybe it was like a couple of years ago, some people that were not familiar with our city, or I would say the city, because you know, you can live in Baltimore. That happens to me a whole lot on the cruise ship when I'm performing other places internationally and I stop and I'd be like, yeah, I'm from Baltimore. Every now and again, you get a few people be like, oh yeah, Baltimore. And then I ask the crowd, I'd be like, hey, can I, can I take a second to shout out my people? And the crowd would be like, yeah. It's always some cool, nice old white people. And I'd be like, what part of Baltimore are you from? And they'd be like, Laurel. I'd be like, shut up. So, you know, like just letting you know, like certain people a couple years ago, you know, they were having a huge issue with our squeegee boys saying that they were a little aggressive and this, that, and the third. Remember those articles were coming out, man? I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> well, now, I don't know if you know, but I love getting a business card from a squeegee boy. You have not experienced customer service at its finest until you meet a young man that is determined to clean poop off of your rear window. <laughs> like, like, and then afterwards, like, the it's so cool with it. They'd be like, all right, man, I'll see you later. Draw a little heart on your windshield and put a business card right in your window. Like, cash at me. I'd be like, every now and again, even if you're not driving, just pull out a business card and cash app a squeegee boy. <laughs> but not least. And I got a little special for you as well. Doing some research and come to find out home, buy, home ownership is uh, on a huge rise in the city. And that is due to a lot of African-American women, black women purchasing homes these days. So sisters, keep that up. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't, you can't tell a dude to call Tyrone from your apartment. So, you know, just, this is, let's keep that going, man. I'm proud of y'all, man. Let's keep that rocking. All right, man, before I get up out of here, one last beautiful thing about our city. If you have not had an opportunity, please go downtown and check out before March 1st, the Domino Sugar sign. It is about to be out of commission and it'll be an LED sign post of that. So check out some history in the city. Domino Sugar, peace, Black History Month. Looking forward to Women's Month. I'll see y'all later. Yeah, yeah. I'm founder of Baltimore Comedy Festival, which every year we host over 100 comedians, 60 outside of the DMV area. And usually it's about 10 international and we always have 20, 20 shows with about 10 to 15 plus venues throughout the city. And also the co-founder, very proud of the uh, DC Comedy Festival, along with my partners, Rob Gordon, who was just in Holiday Heartbreak on BET, and Eddie Lyles, who has an outstanding podcast. So yeah. Love it. I love it, folks. <laughs> yeah. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, comedian Ivan Martin. All right, folks. And we'll be right back after these messages. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at andowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harford Road, Suite 1.
Welcome, folks, back to the No Picks at the Dark podcast. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Dante, and I'm so happy you're here with me today. Now we're on to one of my favorite topics, and it's, it's, it's one of the best in the business, okay? I mean, to get this lady on, I mean, she's one of the best people out here. Drops jewels, gems every single week, folks. Every single week. I'm going to call her my friend, but the friend of the show, Miss Natasha Axelrod, lawyer, legal contributor. I just love when she's on the show because she keeps me out of jail. So how you, Natasha, how you doing? Doing great, Aaron. I'm always happy to be a part of this show. Hey, we, we love you here and we love that you're doing. And a lot of people just love this segment because you, you, you teach new things each week. And we're celebrating Black History Month and just, you're bringing it. You're bringing the heat every week. So without further ado, what jewels and gems are you dropping this for us today? All right, so equal protection of the laws. Everyone's kind of familiar with this concept maybe, uh, but what maybe people don't know is that there's no federal equal protection clause. It doesn't exist in the constitution. And where it came from is the 14th amendment and it only applies to states though. So one of the things I like to point out is Brown versus Board of Education. This was a 1954 Supreme Court decision, of course, where they finally took down the separate but equal doctrine and said it was unconstitutional because separate but equal is just inherently unequal, obviously, right? Took the Supreme Court 58 years to get to that result after Plessy versus Ferguson, but nonetheless, they finally got there. But what a lot of people don't know is that that same day that Brown versus Board of Education was handed down in 1954, the Supreme Court also handed down another decision called Bowling versus Sharp. And this case dealt with similar laws. Uh, Brown was about school segregation laws and the bowling case dealt with similar laws, similar laws, but in Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C., federal law applies. And since there was no equal protection clause that existed in the constitution for them to turn to, the court was like, wait a minute, we can't have it where the states can't, you know, we can't have segregation be illegal in the states, but the federal government can do it. That would be crazy. And so they said, this is, it's this with doctrine and constitutional law called reverse incorporation. And so what they said was, so what they took was the due process clause of the fifth amendment which does apply to the federal government. And they read into it an implicit requirement for equal protection. And they said, you know, equality is an implicit and inherent part of liberty. And this is what we call reverse incorporation because so there's never actually been an actual clause that exists in the constitution, but it's been found to apply to the federal government, the principle of equal, equal protection because of this case bowling versus sharp and this process we call reverse incorporation. And so I just like to point that out because it also wasn't even until really then this means in 1954 that the concept of equal protection applied to the federal government. And I, I remember learning that the first time in law school and I thought, oh, that's really crazy. But, uh, and again, you know, it matters how these, how these rights are enforced. If you don't enforce rights, they kind of lose their meaning. But I just like to point that out because people pay attention to Brown versus Board, which obviously is a very important decision on that day. But we've also got Bowling versus Sharp that meant that equal protection applied to the federal government. Wow. Wow. You understand? I'm sitting here like listening like, wow, that was deep. That thing we're dropping us that, that, that knowledge today. Where can we find you on social media? Where can we find you on TikTok? I don't know. What's <laughs> Everyone keeps trying to get me to go on TikTok. I still haven't done it, but one day I think I'm going to. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm on Instagram 
uh, at Natasha under and YouTube as the legal blonde. All right. All right, folks, you heard it here first, dropping jewels of knowledge. Thank you so much, Ms. Natasha Axelrod, legal, legal lawyer, everything, legal expert. I can't even talk right now myself. But I appreciate you coming on, and we'll be right back after these messages. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Maggie's Farm, located at 4341 Harvard Road. Celebrate Valentine's Day at Maggie's Farm, featuring a three-course prefix menu for $55. Offering a unique menu for this special day that will include an amazing steak option, rockfish, handcraft cocktails, and many more delectable choices. Wine pairings for each course are available for just $20 more. Make this Valentine's Day unforgettable with Maggie's Farm Dining Experience. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday and serving brunch Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. Hey, welcome back, folks, to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host again, Aaron Dante. And, you know, we bring that heat. We bring that heat for Black History Month, folks. And, I mean, this part of the episode, people have been raving about. They're like, where'd you find Mr. Trevor White? Where'd you find this guy? He's right in Baltimore, folks. Right in Baltimore. Baltimore, folks. We got people here that are doing the work. VBS, tax and accounting. In the house, okay, Mr. Trevor White, what you going to drop for us today, sir? I want to drop five common and costly errors uh, that people should avoid when preparing their tax return. Um, you know, I set out the other week and I told people about having an organizer and having a checklist. And here are the reasons why you want to make sure that you're prepared to do your taxes and you go through your documentation before you just sit down and do your taxes on your own or before you give this stuff to somebody else. When you give it to somebody else, they're gonna review the documentation, but if they need something else, it's just gonna hold up the processing of your return. So whenever I get client information and then I need to ask them for something or them to clarify something, that slows up. I put that return to the bottom of the pile and I pick up the next one, you know what I mean? And I review the checklist, make sure all the stuff is there. So the first one is you wanna make sure that the social security number is the correct number, all right, for everybody that's on your tax return. A lot of people don't have the social security cards, which you should have with you when you pay your tax return. But if the social security number is not right, when you go to submit that return, the return is gonna be rejected because of the incorrect social security number, all right? And you wanna make sure that you got the right people's social security number. If something has changed in your life, you were claiming your child one year, you're not claiming the next, you were claiming a parent, now you're not claiming them, and you forget to remove them from your tax return, then you can end up messing them up in the long run, all right? The incorrect filing status. This is a little difficult for certain people because they don't know what they should be filing. But if you're married, you should be filing married, but in certain circumstances, you could file married filing separate, okay? You don't wanna file single if you're married. That's not the proper designation, but a lot of people that just get married, they keep that designation, but there's only one way that you can file head of household when you're married and you and your spouse have to cannot live together for the last six months of the year. And it can't be because they're in the army or they're traveling. It has to be because you're separated on the way to getting a divorce, okay? So the right filing status, if you're not married, then you're single. 
okay? If you have children or dependents that live with you in your household, then you can be qualified as head of household, okay? And there's rules that fit that, but those are the proper filing statuses. You wanna make sure you have it right. The reason why, if you file single versus filing head of household, the tax rates are a lot less for head of household and the standard deduction is a lot higher. So you wanna make sure that you have that right. Math errors, okay? Take your time when you're filling out your information on your tax return. It's very easy to have a slip and press the wrong button, okay? Or to key in the wrong amount, especially when it comes down to withholdings. If you put too much in withholdings, you're gonna get too much back. I've seen clients and I'm like, how did you get this much money back? That's because they mistakenly put too much in their withholdings and they got all of that money back, okay? Or they improperly put something and then, you know, that messed up the calculation. Then they got a letter from the IRS and they don't want that. So make sure that you're doing that correctly. The other one is credits and deduction. Okay. Whether it's education credits or if it's, uh, if you're a teacher and you get the deduction for, um, for uh, uh, teaching expenses, make sure that you have the right amounts and you're going after the proper credits, the child tax credit. Make sure you know what that's worth per child. If you don't know what the credits are for, if you don't know what the deductions are worth, then you're not going to know what the output of that return is supposed to be. And this is why, for the most part, you should be going to see a professional do your tax return because depending on the year, these amounts change. All right. The standard deduction should be six thousand. Now it's more than twelve thousand. Okay. The child tax credit was a thousand. Now it's two thousand. So. If you don't know what these amounts are, you're going to be looking for the improper limits, and then you're not going to know if you're filling out your tax return correctly. So make sure you get the updates on what the credits and deductions are in the current year before you go to fill out your tax return. The last one and the most important one is the bank account. When you're doing direct deposit, make sure that your account is properly stated on your return. If not, your money's gonna go to an incorrect account that may be closed and that account is gonna be pushed back or that money's gonna be pushed back, sent back to the IRS and then they're gonna have to mail you out a, re a refund and that's gonna take a lot longer. So take your time, make sure you put all your stuff in correctly so you don't make sure you don't make these common mistakes. Wow, dropping them jewels, you just dropping them, man. I appreciate that. Good week, you're trying to put it out. Where can we find you on social media? Where can we... TikTok, you all that good stuff, brother. <laughs> no TikTok yet. I'm not doing that. I don't have the dance moves down, but you can reach me on uh, IG. I usually put a lot of these tax tips up there um, at Mr.TaxPro. You can come to my office, 6004 Liberty Road. If you want to email me, it's twhite at B as in Victor, B as in boy, S as in Sam, accounting.com, or you can go to my website, vbstax.com. It's like, you know, I always, the reason why I said it because I saw an accountant on there this on TikTok, I got lost in TikTok the other day, and he was like hitting the buttons, like if you don't take do this, if you don't do this, you do this, you might not get. It was just interesting how yeah. visuals. I, hey, I might. So I did. I did a video the other week, and then one of my uh, friend of mine said, "Yo, post the organizer up on this, make so it see it." So I may, I may add some visuals to my IG. You know, it definitely helps. Hey, you know you got some nieces and nephews somewhere around there. They, they, they know how to do that stuff. They definitely do. I, I, I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm learning. All right, folks. And we'll be right back after these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. 
Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. And welcome back, folks, to the No Picks of Dark podcast. I'm your host again, Aaron Dante. And I'm, I'm throwing in a little bonus episode to y'all this week. You know, it's going to be bonus because this is a real big week. And, um, you know, back in December, even before that, I, you know, I had the Black the Basics season come out and I had some more followers. And this follower was just really good. It was just very positive saying, hey, keep on doing the good work. Keep on doing your thing. And like I said, I never met this follower. I've never met her a day in my life. Ever talked to her until today, folks. Until today. And so time goes, time goes on is December and I see her on TV. I'm like, hey, this is the same person that, that's my fight one that, that you know follows the show and always comments and gives good great feedback. And I said, she's doing some big things in Baltimore. And I really wanted to uh, reach out. So I want you on my show just for a quick segment to tell about what you were doing. Okay, folks. So without further ado, Miss Amber Wedden Okay, let me explain. She's big time, people. AICP and is an urban collegiate neighborhood planner. Planner, correct? Yeah, that's right. And um, she's, she does big things in Baltimore. I mean, I can bl- read her whole bio. We'd be here for five minutes because it's that stacked right now I'm looking at. But thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited that you're on. So she's on, you're on TV. And I'm like, wow, she's doing something really spectacular. She has something that she's helping out Black-owned restaurants in Baltimore. Now, let me give people a little bit of background. There is some, there are some apps called Okra and things of that nature that are apps for black restaurants all around the United States, okay? And what makes it different was, it was like somebody who's a white, that's an ally that's doing it, for, that's helping out, that's doing the walk, doing the work and walking, walking, talking the talk. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get you on the show because you know, I gotta recognize people who are doing things that people may not even know people are doing in Baltimore. So. Tell us about this Black-owned restaurant map that you set out to do. Like, what ha- what made you start thinking about this? What made you create it? And, like, did, what support did you have going behind doing something like this? I love I love that question, Aaron. So um, this whole this whole map started uh, back in, in late May, uh, early June, following the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, I mean, countless other Black Americans. There was um, lots of racial justice conversations happening. And um, I'm, I'm a pretty action oriented person. And so I was trying to kind of make sense of what could I actually do and contribute. And um, there were lots of lists being shared about um, black owned businesses in Baltimore. I'm a Baltimore resident. And so, um, you know, I, I was, I was already saying to myself, that's where I'm spending my dollars, you know, for the next few months exclusively. Um, but the thing that the, the overlap was um, is that I, I'm an urban planner and I'm a designer, so I think about things uh, visually. And so a list of a bunch of businesses is hard for me to understand, like, where, you know, where in the city they are, what's in my backyard. And so, um, so I started just reaching out to people. I reached out to our house, lots of other people across the city, um, bloggers, uh, Instagrammers, influencers, 
you name it, um, to try to coalesce all these lists together. And um, and I put together this map. Um, it's just it's a it's a live Google map. Um, it was pretty easy to do. It seems like a really small effort that that I could contribute, but um. I'm, I'm excited I did it. There's about 125 black owned restaurants on that map um, all across the city. And um, to date, since this launched in June, it's received over 20,000 views. And so um, I'm really excited because people are using it. And so that, that sort of precipitated you seeing me on the news in December um, when we were talking about the restaurant shutdown and the need um, to, to invest in all restaurants, but um, specifically black owned restaurants. Uh, one of the the great stats that I like to tell, there's a study out of Howard University a few years back um, about the lifespan of a dollar in different communities. And in the Jewish community, the average lifespan of a dollar was about 19 days. And in an Asian community, it was about 28 days, but in the black community, it was only six hours. And so this idea of focusing money, focusing um, economic investment in black businesses, I think is so important. And so, um, so that's really how the map started. Folks, she's dropping jewels, gems. I mean, I'm sitting here like, this is the first I'm hearing this. And I'm speechless right now. But we're going to keep the show going. But again, what was that? I mean, you, you, you walk the walk, you talk the talk. And how did you get the word out about what you had done? I know I saw it on, you say you did it in May, June. But how did you get the word out from during that time all the way to the TV time? Like, how did you get, let people know? Like, what was, what was the way of marketing that? Yeah, it's uh, I am I am not a marketing person by background, and I actually have a really hard time like tooting my own horn. So I I ultimately ended up just sharing it with friends uh, in neighborhood. So it's purely word of mouth. Um, and uh, I, I have some some great friends in the city. Um, to their their arms as well. I mean, you're a great example too. You know, talking about this on the show. Um, you know, and then eventually, yeah, presenting it on the news. Um, I've been on. Um, uh, the Larry Young show and, and other different venues as well. So, um, so ultimately uh, I, I ended up creating a website just to ha have this as hosted on it so that people can, can go to it. So it's, it's just my name.com, amberwendland.com to, to keep it easy, but um, it's there, it's live. You know, I encourage people to use it. Um, it's been great. I've discovered things in my backyard, which has been really fun. Um, so it, it's not only been, I think a great resource investment wise, but it's also been just a great relationship builder to, to pull all these different um, great business owners together. And just like, what did your family and friends say when you you decided you like, hey, I'm going to do something for the community that, that, that I love the city so much. I, I'm a part of the city. I'm a fabric of the city. You know, I really want to be a part of this. What did your family and friends when you, you told me like, I'm making a, I'm making a map. I'm just going to make it happen. And just, yeah. I, was, I was curious about the reaction of the, of your loved ones. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't think anyone was surprised. Um, a lot of the work that I do professionally as an urban planner is in the city um, on in East Baltimore and in West Baltimore. And so um, the idea that, you know, there was some other small initiative that I was working on on my own time um, to kind of help rechannel where people are spending their money. Uh, I don't think anyone was surprised. I mean, I swore off Amazon you know, like years ago, um, because I just, you know, I don't want to give the big man any more money. I'd rather spend it at local businesses. So, um, so I think, you know, it's just kind of continuing that legacy and sharing that with, with other people too. I love it. I love it, folks. Again, I told you I had a special, I had a special bonus. You know, I never drop these bonuses, but I'm dropping one and uh, it's going to be on this episode coming up. And I'm very, very excited that you took time out your day. I know you're very busy. 
and we got to get you back on the show to talk about you. Because uh, this was a little snippet. I know, I know now people can be like, we need to, you need, we need to find her story out. Maybe we, I got, you know, she's hard to catch up with folks. This has been months and months in the making. So thank you for what you have done. Thank you for giving the information to people. And again, repeat the website, just spell it out. Make sure yeah. some, and I'll have it on my page. I'll have it on the Apple, Spotify, everything else page, but go ahead, just repeat it. So people can find their listening where they can go and support. Sure. Yeah. So amberwenland.com. That's A-M-B-E-R-W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D.com. And how, so, many, how many hits again, you said? It was a lot. It was over, over 20,000. It's a lot of people. I know. I know. It's, it's pretty, it makes me really happy because, because uh, you know that people are using this as a tool, right? And probably coming back to use it. I found myself using it just this past weekend uh, for Valentine's Day. I was like, where do I want to go to eat? So, love it. I yeah, love it. It's been great. But the, but the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having me. This was a long time in the making, but I'm really, really happy to, to be a part of this. Hey, thank you so much. And I want our listeners to just, I want I like to hear what I like people to highlight people, what they're doing in the community and saying great things and positive things. And it's all about community. And I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your research to the world and to the people. And now my listeners from out of town, like, oh, when, I, when we open back up, I can go right on this site and find this, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. So again, thank you so much, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Found Studio Shop. Looking for unique gifts curated by an artist? Shop online at foundstudioshop.com and explore a delightful selection of gifts for all of life's occasions, handmade jewelry, ceramics, cards, and more. Or pamper yourself or your loved ones with candles, gift boxes, and locally made bath and body products. All of this and more is available for shipping or local pickup at Red Canoe Cafe in Northeast Baltimore. Browse whenever the mood strikes at foundstudioshop.com. And we're back at New Picks After Dark podcast. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very special guest that, you know, I'm very excited to have on, you know, when you see those billboards about Visit Baltimore and Baltimore's a place to be and crabs and the poets, the poets and the artists, uh, we finally get to peel back the layers of the banana and find out who's behind all this. And we have the president and CEO of Visit Baltimore, Mr. Al Hutchinson. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Aaron, and uh, thanks a bunch, man, for having me. I appreciate you. Hey, we know you're a busy person, so we don't want to hold you up too long today, but we really, uh, my audience will love to hear from you and very excited. Again, I was, before you got on, I told you we have a big audience in Baltimore that listens to this and a bigger audience outside of the Baltimore region uh, that listen to this show. And I really like to highlight positive community things about Baltimore City, you know, from restaurants to you know, going out to theater, things of that nature, people who are making positive impacts instead of hearing all this negative connotations from powers that be out there. So sure, I appreciate sure. taking time out. And absolutely, people a little peek out visit Baltimore, okay? So like, again, tell me a little bit about, tell us about yourself. Who are you? You know, are you from Baltimore originally? You know, what's, give us a little story about you. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. So um, for all your listeners, I, I'm actually from Richmond, Virginia. Um, so a little south of Baltimore. Richmond and Baltimore, though, very, very similar, uh, both in socioeconomic perspective, uh, education perspective, 
some of the have and have not stories. So it, it's a very similar type city. That's where I grew up. I went to high school there, played a lot of sports, basketball, football, ran track. So that's really where I really sort of cut, cut my teeth in Richmond uh, um, that way, athletically, learn how to get respect on the playground. I played a lot of basketball, a lot of pickup basketball all over the city of Richmond and played uh, high school football as well. So um, in Richmond, similar to Baltimore, high school sports is a big deal. So, um, you know, coming up, smaller frame guy, you know, I had to get respect in, in, the, in the hood. And that, that, that was my way to get some good respect, uh, playing ball and being halfway uh, decent competitively. And, uh, and so that, that's, that's where I grew up. And I ended up uh, going to college at University of Alabama. And, oh, wow. So I'm a roll tide guy. And, and the reason I ended up in Alabama, had, had no family there, no relatives, no friends. But I, again, big sports guy. And during the time I was in school, like now, actually, uh, Alabama football program was extremely strong. I also applied to Notre Dame. Uh, their football program back then was strong. And um, I got accepted to both, but ended up uh, going to Alabama. Um, I wanted to be around big time uh, sporting events as a student, at, student. I knew I couldn't play D1 ball, but I wanted to be around it and get a good education as well. So I went, went deep south, uh, four years. I was a marketing major. And then upon completion of my degree, I uh, came back home to Richmond. And uh, first job out of, out of school was with Xerox uh, as a salesperson. So uh, some of the people I, might not know who Xerox is right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that tells my age a little bit. So, you know, Xerox at one point was a leader in, in office equipment, particular copiers. Mm -hmm. Everybody used to say, I'm going to go make a Xerox copy. Um, and they may have been using a different brand, but um, at the time, Xerox was a strong player. I was selling office equipment, copiers, typewriters, if you can believe that, which are no longer around, and as well as fax machines, which, which is outdated as well. But I did that for five years out there on a the hustle, man, paving the streets uh, and, and trying to make a nickel. Wow. So yeah, give me a little backtrack. My family, my dad's from Alabama. They're from a little town called Demopolis, Alabama. Uh, I've heard of it. Yep. And uh, we used to go up to Tuscaloosa and check out Roll Tide and hang out there and watch the games. And, you know, I, I love Alabama. That's where most of my family is from. We have a fish catfish farm down there. I oh, yeah, that's, that's fish, I don't know if you were the fish fries or whatnot. That was oh, yeah. down south, you know, catfish. Oh, that's big. I went to a few fish fries while I was down in Alabama, for sure. No doubt. <laughs> you know a little bit about that. I like that. I like that. So, okay, after Xerox, I mean, well, how, how do we get to... You know, doing something for tourism. How do we even get to hospitality from Xerox? I mean, you're talking with people. That's on one hand. So you have great communication skills already to sell this product. How do how do you decide? Like, you know, I don't want to do Xerox anymore. I want to get into hospitality. You know, and industry things of that nature. Yeah. So I really had another um, gig in between um, Xerox and hospitality. I, I, I went to, left Xerox and went into financial services for five years, selling insurance and. Uh, mutual fund investments, did that for five. And back in the uh, early 90s, um, the economy tanked and uh, I had to regroup. And I applied a blind newspaper ad in Richmond. I was living in Richmond at the time. There's a blind newspaper ad, just said they were looking for a salesperson. And obviously I had 10 years of sales experience, didn't know what it was about. And it 
Come to find out, it was a sales job to sell the city of Richmond for the Richmond Convention and Visitors Bureau, which I had never heard of at the time. I didn't know that there were careers in uh, selling cities and went through the process. Um, my Xerox background got me really in the door and they hired me. Um, I fell in love with the business very quickly. Uh, if you can sell insurance, <laughs> selling a city is really, really easy. <laughs> and plus it was my hometown. So I, I had that backdrop. Uh, I grew up there, like, like, like I mentioned to your listeners, played a lot of sports there, a lot of family in Richmond. So it was an easy, it was an easy transition. But the most important thing about it, Aaron, was I fell in love with the business. I loved it. And, uh, and I, in a very short period of time, I said, I want to grow in this business and I want to, I want to do some special things. And for me, you know, 27 years later, I've lived in six different cities selling communities. So I've, I've been able to grow, but I've had to move around the country in order to uh, to grow in the business. That's, that's great. I love hearing those stories. I like, you know, people understanding what people have to go through to, where they, to how they, where they, where they are right now. Uh, just give you a quick background about myself. I used to work for Wegmans Food Market and I got hired right out of college doing a manager training program and I traveled, you know, all around Jersey and yep. helped open up. So Virginia, I lived in Virginia for almost two years opening. I was on a team to open stores up for two years in the company. So yeah. I, I owned a house in Baltimore, <laughs> but never lived there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can relate to that story well. I mean, I, I mentioned um, 27 years in hospitality from Richmond to Charlotte to Pittsburgh, Virginia Beach, um, Mobile, Alabama, and now Baltimore. But my Mobile story is interesting because my son at the time was a junior in high school. We were living in Virginia Beach. And um, opportunity came up to be a president and CEO of a convention and visitors bureau. I had been promoted, but never been a president and CEO. And uh, I needed a title. So my wife said, uh, you go do that. She's from Jersey. So she said, I'm not going to Alabama, but <laughs> you go there, you do the job. And so I was, uh, I, got, I got hired. I was a president and CEO in Mobile for two and a half years, commuted back to Virginia Beach once a month. Um, because I didn't, we didn't want to pull my son out of high school. So, you know, any career, if you really, in most cases, if you want to grow, there's some pain with it. There's some sacrifice. And to the credit of my wife, I mean, she's, she's been on the ride with me, man. Six different cities. Uh, kids grew up primarily in Virginia Beach, but they moved all around the country with us as well. So it, it's, uh, you know, any job that there, there's some pain with it, but you're going to have to step out on faith and if you really want to grow in, in, in most instances. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying, I mean, you're, you're hitting at my heart right now because I grew up like that. My dad worked for university systems. He worked at Georgetown, worked at Syracuse, Youngstown State, Ohio, uh, Southern Methodist in Dallas, University of Houston, UDC. So I grew up not having childhood friends. I grew up like kind of like everywhere you've gone, like is, we always moved. And, you know, we did it as a family and I love it because I got to see America. I got to see the country, I got to see where everything else, how people live in Dallas, how people live in Houston, how people live in New York. So you've got the variations of everything and to get a little touch on Mobile, do you know Mobile was the first place for Mardi Gras, correct? That's right, birthplace oh, of go. Mardi Gras. There we Again, go. My, my friends from New Orleans always tell me they perfected it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to throw that out. I figured you knew. I figured you oh, knew. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into visit Baltimore. Let's get into that. Let's get like, thank sure. you for sharing your background. I'd like to establish that for people so people can have an understanding of who you are as a person, first and foremost. Um, tell us, let's just about visit, tell us a little bit about Visit Baltimore. Like, give me two or three lines of like how the organization started, how'd you get involved, how they find you, how'd you find yourself to Charm City, as we call it? Yes, sir. So, um, Visit Baltimore has been around since 1980. Um, so, uh, former Mayor uh, William Donner Schaefer helped create it at the time. It, it was operated under the name of the Baltimore Area Convention and Visitors Association. BACVA was the acronym. And, um, about, I would say about six years ago, changed his name to Visit Baltimore. Um, and we are the official destination marketing organization for Baltimore City. So our job is to tell stories, tell stories about food, tell stories about arts and culture, tell stories about the, how you can bring a convention here. We, we're the good news story people. We wanna tell all the good news about Charm City. When people go on the website, they need to know where to go, where to spend money, where to have a good time. We promote the city of Baltimore. So I got recruited through a national headhunting firm that was looking for president and CEO here in, in, at Visit Baltimore. Um, my predecessor left to go do the same job in Austin, Texas. And so this job came open. I was in Mobile. I'm an East Coast guy, um, <laughs> knew Baltimore growing up, uh, wanted to get back on the East Coast. Did not know if I would get the job. It was a very competitive process, but um, I, got, I got lucky and fortunate and, so in uh, what November of 2016, I'm I'm up on four years now here. I was hired uh, November and uh, love what I do and uh, love the city I, I do it in. So we're officially we're storytellers, man. We we try to tell good news stories about the great city of Baltimore. That's that's awesome. I love it. I love that you broke it down. Thank you so much. So I've never heard. So I had never heard of Bal visit Baltimore until 2015, 2016 during that time period. And why do you think that is? I mean, I. You know, when I used to come back every summer, so when I lived in all these different cities, my family lived here, my grandmother, my aunts, uncles, and I had never heard of it. Uh, I had asked friends recently, like, have you ever visited Baltimore? Maybe, and family. I was like, I never heard of it. Like, no, we haven't either. And I wonder, you know, how are we getting that communication out there now? Like, yeah. why is that? Why is that that, you know, I moved away and then I came back and, you know, I feel like I'm a worldly person, but... How are you guys getting that out there to the people? Yeah, that's a great question, Aaron. So I, I think in the past, again, in 2015, I wasn't here, but um, I, I came in a year later. And I think part of our challenge was our main focus, primary focus is outbound. So we do advertising up and down the East Coast, trying to drive people to come to Baltimore. So we spend money in auto market, whether it's in magazines, print, digital, outside of the market. We go to trade shows and on the convention circuit all around the country. So our local residents didn't really know what we were doing. And we would have a convention at the convention center. And that was because our sales folks have been on the road trying to woo that business here instead of it going to DC or Philadelphia. Yeah. So when I got here in 2016, that was one of the challenges. The local community said, like you, we, we don't know Visit Baltimore's mission. We've never heard of you. So why should we support you? So we had to make a little pivot. Um, and, and part of my focus since I've been here was that we need to do a much better job of connecting with our local residents. We have to do a much better job of um, telling the story of all of Baltimore, not just the Inner Harbor, because some folks thought Visit Baltimore's message was just 
downtown, the harbor, the convention center, the restaurants around the harbor, which is not um, the truth. Our job should be promoting the entire city. So we've made a, a really concerted effort of now connecting with residents, uh, connecting with all neighborhoods, working with neighborhood associations, and uh, telling a, a fuller and a broader Baltimore story. And that's extremely important to me because if we're selling the city, then you got to sell the entire city. You can't just sell one part of it. And um, I think a lot of people felt like they weren't connected and they were being left out. So um, that's changed probably the last four years since I've been here. Yeah, I, I would say just, I mean, I consider myself as emerging Baltimore media. I really do. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but like I won Best of Baltimore for Baltimore Sun uh, for media for Best Podcast. And that was voted by, you know, by the, by the listeners, by people who, you know, listen to the show. And then I won Best of Baltimore, Baltimore Magazine. So sure. again, this is a labor of love project that turned into something totally different now, you know, it's a part of the media, emerging media. And I always, it's funny you talk about it because I always found myself one of the biggest promoters for Baltimore. Right. Um, for 10 years, to give you a background, we used to have college get-togethers and we always had them in Baltimore. Cause I was like, this is one of the best cities you can ever come to. It's Absolutely. a great place to eat, sleep, anything you want, great hotels, great food places. And one thing I'm doing in the podcast, just for people, a lot of people are like, I never heard of these restaurants. And I came to Baltimore several times. I don't do, I don't cherry pick downtown because again, that stereotypical, oh, the harbor is everything. You know, I've had Zeke's coffee on and Zeke's coffee, you know, I've- Great coffee. Right, yeah. great coffee, you know, the great people. Um, I have um, other places like Charm Sea Craft Mafia. There are a group of individuals who do a big craft mafia fair. That's huge. And right. You know, I really go after the unsung heroes, the ones that we hear about, but other people in the ball, outside of Baltimore need to hear about. Uh, I had um, a couple of restaurants that were in Mount Vernon Marketplace uh, that was black owned, you know, just uh, Fishnet that was on here. And I really enjoyed having them on uh, Black Sauce. You know, yeah. So I really wanted to promote Baltimore. And I kind of like what you're saying. You know, we all could talk about the harbor. I love the harbor. I love it. I grew up sure. every year, but I wanted to get more into the neighborhoods. No, I'm here. You're you're speaking to the choir here, man. Uh, I think, look, every every city, urban city in America, you need a strong downtown if you're going to be uh, significant. However, you also need great neighborhoods, and that's one of the strengths of Baltimore that we had not told that story effectively. And you know, I think one of the great news stories about Charm City are the 250 neighborhoods. So you can go to Fells Point, you can go to Fed Hill, you can go to Mount Vernon, you can go to Remington, Hamden, and get a totally different experience, a different vibe. Whether it's the restaurants, whether it's the food, you can go to Pennsylvania Avenue, it's gonna be a different vibe. Go to Pigtown, a different vibe. That's what makes Baltimore special. And unfortunately, that story wasn't coming out. And I'm a marketeer, I, I, I market destinations. So I should tell the gems of community because a traveler, they don't want cookie cutter. They want what's authentic, what's special. Send me out to a neighborhood that's got a good culinary experience, a cool museum, maybe some retail. What are you doing? And so that's that's what I've embraced since I've been here. And as long as I th that I stay, I'm going to continue to tell that full Baltimore story. That's awesome. Because one, one thing I always have my friends who come from New York City, the first place I take them, is Lexington Market. I take Absolutely. them to the Crab Kick at Faley's and I said, 
when I was young, my grandmother and grandfather took me down here. And I remember the, there's a little peanut stand that's outside there that's been there forever. And I remember this childhood memory. And they're like, wow, we are really in Baltimore. I'm like, you were getting the real deal. I'm not saying anything else is different, but this is what I knew growing up. Absolutely, man. And this is where I take people off the top. Like, this is you're coming here. We, we'll, we'll hit Fells. We'll hit Ken. We'll hit you. You'll get all that. But I'm going to give you anytime. I don't know about you, Al. When you go to a city, do you ever go to the mainstream part or do you just say, you know, let me, let me find like, like when I was in New Orleans, I went off the beaten path and found a dive, chicken, and fish spot. And I, that was me. I right. Like, now I'm always going to hit the mainstream tourist spot. I'm going yeah. to do that. But I wanted to hit, hit the mom and pops places that I knew the food was authentic. I knew they that this is what they put their pride and love and sweat and tears in. And I was just messing how I when I visit cities. That's what I. No, do. I'm the same way, man. You got to venture out. You want to fill the soul of a city, and uh, so you go and see, and you talk to the local. You ask them, you know, where do they go? And uh, so I think that's part of the storytelling that we're trying to embrace now in Baltimore, and you know. You, you know, we, we went through just recently through a rebrand, which uh, I'm sure you're familiar with. And um, and that's our way of sort of now trying to connect with media like you, um, that we need to embrace uh, people who, who are from Baltimore, um, especially folks from our black, indigenous and people of color community. So our new brand is is, is all of that. It's, it's showing black faces, black voices, we did that intentionally because this is a predominantly African-American city and, and that's what we should do. And so um, our, our new brand, we went through a number of stakeholder interviews to help us land where we landed. So we, we talked to people from Baltimore who normally weren't talked to, mm. uh, whether it's from the African-American community, Hispanic, Latino community, LGBT community, faith-based neighborhoods. I wanted to make sure I listened to the residents when we were creating this, this new look and feel. And we partnered with local Baltimoreans. So I'm sure you've heard of Kondwani Fidel. He's yep. a Baltimore guy. He's our chief copywriter for our rebrand. So he's a 26-year-old Baltimorean who's a poet, a writer, and a talent. So why wouldn't you want to partner with him? So he's been helping us with our voice. And we partnered with Devin Allen, award-winning photographer to, to take a lot of our shots. And, you know, people like, I mean, Mecca Verdell, another great uh, artist and Jacob Marley. The, the point is they're one of probably over 50 uh, influencers, artists, entrepreneurs that we wanted to engage with them so they can tell the, the full Baltimore story. And I think, I think communities that can do that moving forward are going to be the ones who are going to be out front. And um, quite frankly, we've been getting some really good feedback from um, people when they when they see, see our, uh, our new brand. In fact, it was up in New York and it was in Boston and it was in Philly and people were calling like, what is Baltimore doing in Philly? What is Baltimore doing in New York? Because <laughs> we wanted to tell that story to the folks there because uh, we want them to come see Charm City. So. Having that very, uh, I think, authentic uh, look and feel with our brand messaging story is is extremely important moving forward. I love I love to hear it. I love I love to hear everything about this. It's a beautiful thing to hear. So tell me, um, so CIA CIAA's got canceled. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That's a big loss, man. It's a big loss. What happened? What happened to the death thing? Thinking behind it and give the audience a little bit of background the CIAAs and how much revenue has brought other cities like Charlotte and things of that nature and how that potential loss has kind of hurt a little bit for Baltimore, especially. Yeah, so let me me give your listeners a little background. So about um, CIAA, 12 historically black colleges and universities. Uh, Lincoln in Pennsylvania is the furthest northern school. We have Bowie State here in Maryland. And the remainder of the schools, other 10, are from Virginia to South Carolina. So, so it's a very southern footprint. And, but it's the uh, third largest basketball, college basketball tournament in the country behind the ACC and the Big East mm-hmm. from an attendance standpoint. So it's, it's huge. It was in Charlotte for 14 straight years. Two years ago, um, the CIAA came to us. They were thinking at the time about whether or not they should consider some other cities for their bid. So we were one of three other communities that they were looking at. Um, It's always the last week in February, which is a need period for Baltimore for business. That time of year is really slow in Baltimore. Historically black colleges, that's a footprint, right? I mean, that's who we are as a community. You know, we obviously, we have um, Morgan State and Coppin, who used to be in the CIAA. So they're right here in Baltimore City. And then you had Bowie right down the road. So it just made sense from an economic standpoint. If we could, if we could get the city to make a commitment and we could get the state of Maryland to commit, mm-hmm. which we did. Um, we talked to the, the mayor at the time who was committed, we went to the state, they were committed, they saw the the big economic return. We made our pitch with um, a number of other business leaders and went down to Charlotte and we were fortunate, they decided to to come to us beginning in February of 2021. So a group of us went down to Charlotte last year and and last year, this year, it seems like (laughs) a hundred years ago now, but we we went down last in, in February of this year to show Baltimore's excited about the CIAA coming um, to, to us. They were excited as a conference. Um, and then two weeks after that, the whole world changes, right? Mm-hmm. The pandemic hits. So since that time, I have been communicating with the CIAA's commissioner once a week, keeping our eye on, on COVID, the impact it's had around the country, and also keeping Bowie State's president, Dr. Bro, involved in the conversation. So, so Aaron, we've gotten to a point that after um, just keeping an eye on the virus, keeping our health commissioner involved here in Baltimore, and then um, the commissioner of the CIAA meeting with her 12 presidents in five different states, mind you, that uh, due to the pandemic, the student athlete's health is, is number one. So it just did not make sense to really have the tournament in uh, February of 21. Due to Baltimore City, we've gone from phase two back to phase one. So we've tightened our restrictions. Don't know what it's going to look like in February. And we just felt it was in the best interest of the CIAA, best interest of Baltimore City to put a pause on 21. So what we're going to do is in 2021, they're going to go to a completely virtual platform. There'll be no live basketball, but it's going to be a lot of entertainment some educational sessions on health, on wellness, on financial wellness, on a virtual platform. Probably it's gonna be some great interviews with CIAA 
presidents and former athletes of CIAA. We'll have some of our political um, folks a part of the platform. And we're going to use the platform in 21 to promote the tournament in February of 22, because they are scheduled to come back to us live in 22 and in 23. So we're gonna to continue to have conversations. This will be a huge event for Baltimore. In Charlotte, it was about a, a 40, you know, $120 million economic impact to the wow. city. Wow. Um, so it's huge and a uh, number of small businesses, a lot of small owned black businesses were able to benefit from it. And we wanna to put together a similar footprint in Baltimore uh, in 2022. So. We have folks who are reaching out to the private sector to get them involved. Um, our city will be involved, obviously, and uh, as well as the state of Maryland. We want to make this a big, big deal for the region. A lot of your listeners in the DMV, as well as in Pennsylvania, New York, they will be coming down for the tournament. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge event for the city of Baltimore, probably unlike anything we've ever done in the past. From a, you know, more people will be here. Not even going to the game. They just want to be here and party and have a good time and, and socialize. It's it's like a family reunion, football <laughs> game, you know, HBCU big event all put put in one. So, we're excited about the future because if we do it right in 22 and 23, the hope is that we can keep them here even longer. So we'll we'll see what happens. Thank you, Thank you for that question. I really appreciate that. I mean, I've gone once and hit me. It's it's a good time. It's a good time. I was absolutely, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you guys. Have I have saw something one marketing phase with Guinness and Visit Baltimore. Um, tell me a little bit about that partnership. What's going on with that? I, I saw it and I was very intrigued by that. So um, obviously, the last ten months, the entire country we were dealing with and still are dealing with the the pandemic as a crisis, health crisis. But the intersection of social justice um, crisis, racial crisis hit at the same time. So communities as well as the private sector have been dealing with this uh, social justice crisis and, and what can we do to help eradicate racism. So Guinness as an as a organization, they were trying to find some partners that they could uh, uh, help financially and do something that could help the community. Visit Baltimore, we have a education and training foundation um, that's been around for a few years. That's our give back arm to help young folks get involved in hospitality. So we decided to come together, Guinness Open Gate Brewery, partnering up with Visit Baltimore through our foundation to create a, a new diversity apprenticeship program. Mm. And so this apprenticeship program is created really to identify um, a person who's 21 years of age or older that happens to be black, indigenous, or, or, or people of color community to get involved and go through a 600-hour paid apprenticeship, wow. and they'll be able to be immersed in three different tracks. They'll be able to spend some time in Guinness, learn about that craft brewing industry, spend some time and visit Baltimore, learn about destination marketing, and also spend some time at a third tourism entity that we'll name in the future. So they'll have a full range of experience for 600 hours paid. And then at the conclusion of the apprenticeship program, there's another partner named Searchwide Global, which is a full service executive recruiting firm, 
which will guarantee this individual employment at the conclusion of the apprenticeship program. Wow. And the reason, Aaron, this is important to us is because in hospitality, especially travel and tourism, there are very few uh, people of color in management and senior levels that look like me, very, very few. So this program is a way that we can begin to change that landscape, bring some folks in and sort of a, a junior management level, get exposed to an industry, hopefully fall in love with it, and then they can grow and hopefully stay in Baltimore or Charm City and work, but there are other opportunities that may present themselves for folks. So um, this commitment with Guinness, it's gonna be uh, for at least five years is their commitment. And we're hoping that over that period of time, we can at least um, produce two apprentices. So at the end of this five-year period, we'll have 10 folks who now have been exposed to an industry they probably did not know about. They've earned some money and may have created a career for them. And just so happens they're a person of color who's very underrepresented in this industry. So uh, we're gonna be reaching out to people in the Baltimore region. If, if you know folks who may be interested, this could be a great opportunity for them to apply and love to talk to them about a, a tremendous oppor opportunity and a partnership with, I, I think, two great organizations. That's great to hear. I, I love hearing that. I really do. I like having people's opportunities out there. I mean, to that, that really warms my heart. So that's definitely a beautiful thing to hear. So I read it that you let, read, led a diversity training. I read that. So I was, I was doing my homework when I was doing my homework. You know, I got... Uh, you, uh, you know, you, as, as you know, and I was raised probably the same way as you were raised, you got to do your homework, do twice as hard. And unfortunately, totally. you yeah. understand where I'm going with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, All right, folks. And we'll be right back after these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harford Road, open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. So tell me about this diversity training you, that you set up and that you taught hospitality entry in Baltimore. Tell me about that. How listeners, like what, what propelled you to do that? What, was there something that's always something that clicks in a person's life? So um, obviously, yeah, obviously with the, the, the whole intersection of social injustice that was happening, you know, we were trying to figure out what do we do? How do we be impactful? And then in the Father's Day weekend, we had a, uh, a negative incident that happened at one of our local restaurants here in Baltimore that wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, we all know what that incident was, what that looked like with a mom and her son at a local rest, uh, restaurant. So my board chair and I had some conversations about, we think what happened there could potentially happen anywhere in Charm City, mm -hmm. not just at restaurant, any restaurant, any hotel, maybe a museum. So, because it comes with education, right? And training. And we just thought it may be a good opportunity for Visit Baltimore to take the leadership role on this training. So we, um, we talked to a, a company, Inclusion Impact, which is right here in Baltimore City. 
which is owned by a young lady named Janice Murray, who's an African-American young lady, who's also a Baltimorean. And uh, she used to work for Exelon for a number of years, but she broke away to, to really do her own uh, equity training for companies. So we partnered with her. We asked her to, to join with us and take our hospitality industry leadership through a six-part training on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. Because at the end of the day, Aaron, what part of my job should be is I want Baltimore City to be a welcoming community for all people, not just white folks, but for everybody. And not just male, female, uh, all genders, all races, all faith-based. And so we wanted to start with our senior leaders, take them through the training. We just concluded it actually last week to rave reviews. And we went back to the company that uh, had experienced this negative activity and asked them to partner with us and help us underwrite it. And um, the Atlas group of restaurants decided to partner with us. They helped underwrite it. Um, and they also not only underwrote it, we asked them to send their senior teams through the training as well, which they did do. So it's been, uh, it's been a really, really good opportunity for us. And um, it's something that I'm really proud of that we, we went through it. And not only did we do it for the hospitality industry, but my team at Visit Baltimore we went through it as well. And we just concluded our session today wow. um, because I wanted to make sure that I'm, I'm walking the walk. I wanna make sure my team goes through it and have these sometime uncomfortable conversations, but we need to get better as a, as a people and as a human race and have these conversations about how do we hopefully for once and for all eradicate racism. And that, that's what this conversation is about. I love hearing that. Um, so it's funny you touched upon all that was going on during that time period, um, during the summertime. My podcast became pretty popular outside of Baltimore. People knew who I was and they knew reaching out and with the whole George Floyd incidents and everything else going on, Breonna Taylor, a lot of black podcasters throughout the United States reached out to me and they said, hey, you're, you're not doing a show on that. You're not doing a show on what's going on. You're not yelling. And I, you know, it took me a while to get myself together because it was felt like, you know, every day, something different, you know, sure. you know, feel like things don't change. We can look back at so many years, Mike Brown. Okay. We go back that far. And, you know, I had a moment of just, I was frozen in time. Um, PTSD, I guess is, you know, it happens. So oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, everybody was coming off their shows. People were raving about their shows, about how, you know, I'm upset. This is, and I said, let me do it in my way. Let me do it in my way and let me mourn my way. And what I did was kind of like what you guys did. I did a big show that was a round table with, you know, uh, two, a black woman, black female, white male, white female. And so it comes to find out three of them were from Virginia, actually. <laughs> so three from Virginia and one was living in Charlotte and right at the time. And I want to get a cross section of America. I wanted to get what my America looked like, what I see every day. Okay. Sure. And that was one of the biggest downloaded episodes that I could ever have. It was a two-part series. And I wanted to understand, so people can understand, you come from this background. Tell us about it. Were you afraid of the police growing up? Were you treated, did you see are your friends treated differently? Did you ever understand what racism was about? Did you understand about equality? 
Do you understand about affirmative action? Do you understand? And you know what? Everybody had different answers. And that's what right. made it beautiful because they didn't know. And one young lady said, my family used to take, tell racist jokes all the time around us. And I didn't know until I got older, understand like, whoa, whoa, this ain't right. This is not right. Right. And you learn from each other and you understand from each other. And that's the way I went about doing things. I do it as a, I think, think like, what's most more impactful? I could yell and scream and tell you and banter, but I want to hear what people think and other people think come from. So I salute you guys for doing that and making sure the people who make those decisions are in those meetings and they walk it like you're talking. And I like that you're doing that. No, no, I appreciate it. And we, uh, we were very intentional with what we were trying to do. And especially the training we did for the hospitality industry, we didn't limit it to that. So we had folks from the police department that joined us, right. folks from city government joined us, the faith-based community. Because at the end of the day, in my opinion, um, I think we all should be trying to I want to get over the race question. You know, race was man-made. There was really no, there shouldn't even be a question about race. That was invented. So we need to get past that and talk about human. What can we do that we treat everybody on an equal level, regardless of what they look like, skin tone and complexion? We had a lot of work to do. Um, same conversation my mom had with, with me probably 50 years ago. I'm having the same conversation with my 22-year-old son. So we've come a long ways, but we got a long ways to go. Cause I still, I shouldn't be having conversations with my 22 year old <laughs> that my mom had with me 50 years ago. So it's, it's, a, it's a big issue, it's real. And I think it's not gonna just take visit Baltimore. It's gonna take all of us to have these conversations and we gotta get better. And, and I wanna be a part of the solution. And it's great. Like I was telling a friend the other day, I said, I was Santa Claus for a elementary school and now I'm doing for another elementary school next day. And, um, you know, the beautiful part was when I got on the screen, the kids were so happy. And like you said, the race, they didn't see me as, they saw me as Santa. There you go. And it was, the, it, it made my, it just, I wanted to cry because they were so happy. And Santa came to visit the class. Right. And it was a little normalcy because they're working from home. They're at school, home with their parents. And I, we got so much feedback. It was a uh, school, Methville Heights Elementary. That's um, awesome. And, and now I'm doing uh, Garrett, Garrett Heights Elementary next tomorrow. And they, they're so excited because it's like, you know, this is an impact for the kids. It's all about them. And not nobody said, hey, that's a black Santa. Nobody exactly. said that. Yeah. It's like, there was Santa. And one young lady gave me the whole, she ran off a list of everything that she wanted. And I was like, this is <laughs> happy. And the principal was crying, calling me out there. But this is what it's all about. Start strong. And I appreciate you talking about that. I really do. Now, let's talk about your staff. I mean, is your staff reflective of Baltimore City? We talked about Baltimore City, what it looks like. Is it reflective? Does your, did you have, I know you said your staff just finished diversity training. Sure. But do you require your staff to live in Baltimore City? Or do you look at it as a regional thing? How do you look at that? Because I feel like Baltimore, you know, is a majority African-American city. You know that. Absolutely. But reflect, do your staff, if they don't live in the city, do they understand the city? Do they understand the culture? Do they understand the experience, the plight? Things of that nature. So go ahead. I'll let you go ahead. So um, the only person based on contract that has to live in the city is me. Okay. So I, I live in the city. I, I love living in the city. So I would say to you, um, we've done a really good job of hiring folks from Baltimore City. Uh, it's, it's good numbers. Um, we, we have more work to do there for sure. But I think uh, the place that we're in, I, I think we're 
compared to a lot of other places, we're in a, a good good place. We're not where we completely want to be. We're going to keep working on that. Um, folks live in other surrounding counties, um, but we we do what uh, I think a good job of letting folks know, educating them about the importance of Baltimore City, what the city has to offer, um, and, and everything that we do. So we want to make sure that we continue to look at our organization from an equity lens. And we want to make sure we're represented both from a racial perspective, as well as gender uh, is important for us as well. So my HR manager keeps a close eye on that. And we look at which departments that we may need to do more work in than others. And so where we're not balanced um, the right way. So um, it's a work in progress. I think we're in a much better place in December of 2020 than we were in November of 2016 when I got here, but we have more work to do, and uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not satisfied with where we are. We're gonna we're gonna continue to do better in, in that space. So, what trials and tribulations have you you know encountered with Visit Baltimore? Right, you know, with the, with COVID, with everything going on. I mean, let's be honest, people aren't traveling. How are you adjusting? How are you guys adjusting on the fly with? What do we do? People aren't going to, people aren't leaving home. We have sure. restrictions. If you come out of country, come out of state, you gotta be 14 days quarantine. How are you guys getting through all this right now? Well, I think the the word that I hear a lot right now is you gotta be nimble and you gotta be flexible because things change every day. So um, <clears throat> we back in uh, April, May of this year, uh, due to budget, you know, our budget was cut 40% because folks weren't weren't traveling and my budget is so dependent on hotel bed tax um, that we had to end up laying a, a large percentage of our staff was laid off. We closed the visitor center in Inner Harbor that we manage on behalf of the city. I had a satellite office in New York City that we eliminated. Um, so we've been trying to, to pivot, right? So before um, the city's sort of tighten their restrictions, we had received uh, $5 million from the federal government through the city of Baltimore to create this safe travel campaign. Because at the time we're in phase two, people were moving around and restaurants were opening at least 25%. We actually we're at 50%. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to create with this money, we had to do it, it had constraints on it. So we created some TV ads, radio, billboards, asking people to come see us when they felt safe to come see us, but wear their mask, practice social distancing and take advantage of all the other safety protocols. So we put that out from Boston all the way to Richmond. But then we went from phase two to phase one, probably three weeks after those ads were out. And then we had to come back and pull the ads. We had to take them down. We had to change our billboards to support the restaurants to carry out, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the main reason why we were trying to be supportive and talking about a pivot is we have so many small businesses here in Baltimore that were getting clobbered. Mm -hmm. They weren't getting any help from the federal government. There were no resources. So the least we could do would, would be to provide them some PPE, whether it's masks, whether it's hand sanitizers that they could give out to their customers, they could give out to their staff, so we expended, expended some, some resources to provide PPE 
for businesses. And so talking about what, what have we done, we sort of pivoted. We're not talking about trying to book a convention. We're trying to take care of our small businesses here in Baltimore that we don't want their businesses to be boarded up. We don't want them to close up shop. So however we can help them, that's where we've been spending a lot of time with our organization as of late. And uh, we'll continue to do our part to, to help them where we can. Well, I will tell you, your social media manager, whoever's in charge of Twitter and Instagram is doing an amazing job. I have been observing ever since I've you know, been in contact with you guys. And you know, I like to watch how companies move. I like to watch how you move and how you move before. And, and it was refreshing to see certain local businesses. Hey, look at this kid I just got from Visit Baltimore. It's funny you said that. I was going to bring it up. The mask, the PP. And I was like, that's what it's all about. That is what I'm talking about. And that made me proud. And I was going to bring that up and just say kudos to you guys for doing that. You already said it, but that was awesome. And that's, that to me is what it's all about. No, I appreciate it, Aaron. And, you know, one of the things that I'm proud of with our organization is that we have people who care. And um, they, they care about Baltimore. They care about the people in Baltimore. And we're going to do our part to be as helpful as we can be. Um, because that's the way you should do it. You should, if, if you have some resources, you should be able to reach back and help. And so that's been our mantra as an organization. Um, you know, we're taking a hit just like everyone. I, I hate laying people off, um, but I had to do it because of lack of resources. But with the folks who are still with us, with the, the resources we have, we're gonna do our part to try to help Baltimoreans and help small businesses, because I think that's extremely important. All right, so you, you you went through the hard part, okay? I was a hard part of questions. <laughs> now you can sit back and relax a little bit, breathe, have a cup of water, you know, and um, we're going to get something a little bit lighter. It's called rapid fire. I do this with all the guests. It's something a little bit lighter. You know, I saw you sweating over there, so we were good now. <laughs> we're good, all right. Uh, so what inspires you every day? What inspires you? Yeah, great question, man. I, you know, I, I grew up in a single-parent household. My mom raised me, and... Uh, what, what I try to do every day, I lost my mom 12 years ago. I, I try to live my life that uh, I'm her investment. She put everything she had into me. And so I, I wanna be excellent. Every day when I wake up, I try to get better. I'm not gonna be perfect. <laughs> I try to strive for excellence every day and I wanna be a good example for my kids. So that, that's, that's my inspiration. What have you learned about yourself working from Mobile to everywhere else to now to Baltimore. What have you learned about yourself? Just now visit Baltimore. You know, I think one of the big things, Aaron, is to, to be to be humble um, and and to uh, to listen more than you talk. And uh, someone told me years ago, the reason that the the creator gave you two ears and one mouth is because you should listen more than you speak. And so I. I've had to humble myself throughout my career as I got older, more experienced. And each community I've lived in, I, I try to I try to listen before I will speak or offer up my perspective on things. So listening is extremely important to me. Okay. So what? So if you know you, if I don't, I don't know if you drink or not, but what's what are some local breweries you recommend? That beer places you like? Anything local? Oh man! So um, obviously Guinness, you know uh, that Guinness. <laughs> Guinness, Guinness. You got to go there. Uh, Monument Brewing is 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 is, is great. great if if you're into the craft beer scene. 
uh, Max Tap over in, in uh, Fells yeah. Point. Number of great options over there if you're into the to the beer scene, but the craft brew scene here in Baltimore has just taken off. It's it's so many great breweries now in the city that uh, you have a lot of great choices. Nice. This is a, this is my all time favorite one: flats or drums? Drums, baby. Oh, come on, come on, come on. All right. You can redeem yourself on this one. Okay. Blue cheese or ranch? Ranch. Oh, come on. We're going to end the conversation. <laughs> no, that's not. And, uh, and, uh, I love it. I love it. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. We can't get, can't bat a thousand in there. And what would, like, Again, like if I'm coming from out of town, what are some things you would just promote Baltimore? Just give me, like the listener right now, like I said, they're coming from everywhere. What would you say? Like, this is your time to promote Baltimore City to come visit when the pandemic's over. You know, what would you say to them? Like, hey, come down. What would you, what would you say to them? Well, again, it, that's, that's the beauty of Baltimore. We have so many things to offer. So I would say, you know, if, if you're really into the arts and cultural scene, Pound for pound, we probably have more museums that are free than anywhere in the country. So you got to check out, obviously you're going to go to the National Aquarium, but check out the Reginald Lewis Special History Museum on African-American History. The Great Blacks and Wax Museum is a, is a must-see. You have to go take, take a look at that. But the Walters Museum, the Baltimore Museum of Art, um, Museum of Industry, there are a lot of museums here that if you're into that scene, but if you're into the culinary scene, if the food scene, is that what jacks you up? You know, you can go over Port Covington, you can go to Nick's Seafood if you want, uh, to check, check the Rye Street Tavern. It's another option on that side of town, but you come back across the, the harbor. Before you even come back to the harbor, you can go to Fed Hill if, mm. you're, if you wanna check that vibe out, Cross Street Market. Mm. You mentioned the markets earlier, pound for pound, we have more marketplaces in Baltimore to any place in America. Holland's Market, Lexington Market, Cross Street Market, you know, <laughs> down President Street Market. There, there's so many choices. So I would say folks, check out, check out those food halls because that Mount Vernon Market, check the food halls out because you can get some great cuisine there and support small businesses. Great African-American entrepreneurs are in those, those venues. So I would say, check that out. But then from the neighborhood vibe, you know, you can go up to Hamden, um, go on the Avenue, get that whole retail experience. It's like baby Georgetown, <laughs> just park and walk, check out the retail, check out the restaurants there, really great vibe. Uh, Remington, check out the great, great um, food there. A lot of the speakeasies, WCs. Oh. Um, there's a lot of a lot of great places <laughs> that folks don't know about that they need to go 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 check out. I love that. I love hearing this. You're making me hungry right now. You're making take my whole paycheck from here. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so, there's so many great options. Okay. So to wrap it up in a big but what is your what is the best advice you've ever received? What, like what thing do you keep with you in your back pocket all the time? Yeah, this this is one that, that I always remember and is don't uh, don't read and don't believe your press clippings. Um, you know, people, people tell you they, they, they love you doing great. You know, you're the best thing ever. Best thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't buy into the press clippings, man. Keep, keep, keep chopping, keep working, keep your head down, keep grinding, keep working, keep be getting better. You read the press clippings, you start believing that you stop growing. Mm 
So you forget forget what they say in the paper. Forget what they, I'm not on social media a lot. I got social media people who do with, deal <laughs> with that. But I go I go to work. I keep my head down. I read what I like to read. I like to try to get better. Feed my mind with positivity because you got to work, man. You got to keep chopping wood. You got to get better every single day. I love that. That's what this podcast is about: community and positive positivity stories. And that's why people relate to us so much in this time of just darkness. It's just really very positive Baltimore stories. And that's what it really goes after. Where can we find you guys on social media? Where can we? Yeah, baltimore.org, baltimore.org. Okay. You can go and find out all these stories that I've been sharing with, with your listeners. Um, check out our social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, IG, Facebook, we're there. Are you guys uh, on TikTok yet? <laughs> I don't think we're on TikTok yet. No, 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 no. We're not there yet. I'm sure we will be sometime soon. I'm joking. I always tell people, I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I didn't realize that social media was a full-time job. I didn't realize until doing the podcast. I'm like, this is this is tiresome. So this respect. <laughs> yeah, we got a team that's out there on social media on a daily basis. So it's 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 real for sure. Again, I appreciate you, Mr. Al, the president and CEO of Visit Baltimore, stepping in a No Picture of Dark podcast. We truly, truly appreciate you taking time out your day to speak with the listeners and listen, speaking to me. And just, it was, I learned a lot listening to you today and hope my listeners can take a lot from here. And we can't wait to see what's going to happen in the future. I'm very excited about what's going on in the future and what you're doing right now, highlighting just the success stories and all the marketing that you have out right now. You've explained a lot to me. And I hope my listeners that I got, you know, they can see that also. I really do appreciate you. Well, let me, let me just thank you right back, Aaron. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with your listeners. Uh, I think one thing I love to say to everybody listening, you know, probably six, seven months from now, we're going to be in a totally different place. City's going to be reopening. It's going to be a time to really celebrate. So we just got to do the right thing now. Um, and by, by uh, late spring, early summer, we'll be in a much better place. So I just want to say thank you, man, for the work you're doing. You keep doing your deal. Um, let Anytime we can be of help, you know how to get a hold of me and my team. So nothing but peace and love for you and, and your listeners, man. So I, I really, I really thank you guys. And folks, thank you so much again. We appreciate it. And I can't wait for this episode to drop. Love, peace, and happiness. We're out.